Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. So we are back and having our second back to school episode talking about what it's like going to an LDS or a Mormon college. This week we are talking about BYU Idaho which people probably don't think about a lot when they think about going to an LDS school because it's always just BYU. Um, Sorry, Idaho, you're kind of on the back burner. It's not your (laughs) fault. It's just because Idaho's on the back burner of most of the country as well. It is, although, okay, I have to quickly note though, Tracy, that is the main school that everyone in the San Diego County was going to. They weren't going to Provo. They were going to Idaho. Like that's where all the kids were going. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I don't. If you were living in San Diego, why on earth would you want to go to Idaho? Like, what fresh hell is that for you? What it's kind insane. of good experience is that going to give you? It was bad enough that I took myself to Utah. Um, and then the, I don't think that there's an explanation. I just think they're like, this must be a good idea for some reason. If I sound judgmental, it's because I am. I am very judgmental yeah. about this right I now. Mean, so. <laughs> at this point, looking back, I think they're just like, that's where people who want to get married are going to be there so that they can just leave. They go there to get married and then that's it. It's basically just for dating. Maybe I have heard it called BYU. I do. So right. Okay. Well, it is. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) It is a very good thing then that we have three wonderful people here joining us for this episode who can uh, dive in to all the pleasantries and oddities of BYU, Idaho. Yes. So joining us today are three of our friends, Addison, Hallie, and Virgil. Virgil and Addison are current BYU-Idaho students, and Hallie is BYU alumnae. Bless you all for joining us and for being willing to have this crazy, chaotic discussion today about BYU-Idaho. Thank you for having us. We are very excited to be here (laughs) to uh, (laughs) provide our expertise on this university. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having us. Super happy to be here. Every college episode is just going to get more and more chaotic. Like I would agree with that. And I, I want that so much, (laughs) so much. So let's do this. Before we get started, we wanted to remind you all that our podcast is now a member of the Dialogue Podcast Network. Dialogue is a collective of independent and interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging inquiry and discussion into all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, arts, and culture. You can support our podcast and others in the network by subscribing at dialoguejournal.com. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. You can learn more at dialoguejournal.com. I wonder if Dialogue is already regretting adding us to the network because of how chaotic we are. (laughs) I have not. (laughs) They listened to one episode and it was one of our crazy ones. So fingers crossed. I don't know. All right. Well, let's jump into today's episode. So we're going to start out with, I'm going to guess, I guess it's a softball kind of a question. What inspired you to attend BYU Idaho? So I originally applied for the BYU-Idaho because I really wanted a Christ-centered environment where everything was about Christ and just super spiritual. And then it was one of the few schools that I saw that had the exact program that I wanted to do. 
funnily enough, I'm no longer in that program, but whatever. Very understandable. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> oh, I changed multiple times. Um, and I was reassured by my changes. Uh, someone had told me that like the average student changes like six times. And so I was like, Oh, oh haven't met my six yet. So, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Um, my reason was not as, uh, I don't know, pure, I suppose, is Addison's for going to BYUI. Um, I was straight out of high school and I was going because I didn't get into BYU. That's like facts. Like I was just pretty much, well, it was my backup. So here I go. And it was cheap and it was close to home because my home is like literally 30 minutes away from Rexburg. So anyways, that's why I went that's really fair. That's very convenient, though, for you to have a decent school connected to the church. I mean, that is handy if you are a member. And then it it does help that it is so cheap. I can give you the church answer. I can give you my real answer. Um, All the answers, please. <laughs> if you're if you're okay with that. Um, okay, the church answer is because I served my mission in Idaho. And, and when people would ask me, oh, what are you going to do after your mission? It was always, oh, I'm going to go to BYU just to kind of get them off my case. But Honestly, the reason I chose BYUI because it was cheap. Um, pretty much all the stereotypes, like you go there, you want to get married. It was a thing to do. So that was pretty much the reason why I chose it. Um, but I'm no longer in the major I started off in. I started off as sports medicine. Now it's recreational therapy. And it's probably going to change again. So That's so interesting. Okay, cool. That is good to know. Okay, so you're in recreational therapy right now. I'm sorry, what were the other majors that Hallie and Addison ended up with? I started off psychology and then I switched to, well, actually, my academic advisor switched it for me without my consent to sociology. I know, scandal. Um, And then I went on my mission, came back, switched to um, math and English education. Then I moved to Orlando, met Taylor, got married and decided I don't want to do two years of school online. So I'm just going to get a general ed associate's degree. So I came to BYU-Idaho specifically for their English education program, but I uh, changed to biomedical science with a minor in English. Very different. That is very different. That is super cool. Okay. That is so interesting though. I mean, I do know that quite a few people do change their majors and everything, but I didn't know it was up to six. And it's very interesting to see the choices that you have all made. So that is super cool. All right. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. As someone who's never set foot in on BYU I campus, I don't know the whole curriculum. I don't know the teachers or anything. So what have been or what were your programs like? Addison, do you want to take us off with that? Sure. So I'm in a very male dominated major, and that's definitely obvious with there are a couple of bio. Well, there is one biology teacher that a lot of people here are like, wait, did you have this teacher? And I'm like, yeah, he's known for being sexist. And I had him for one of my classes when I had COVID and I had an exam like two days after I tested positive and I asked for an extension. He said no. And I tell people the story and they're like, wait, is this this teacher? I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, But on the other side of the spectrum in the pre-med department, um, I'm going to call him out by name because he's truly the best teacher I've ever had in my entire life. It's Brother Evan Hansen, like the musical, but he is a physics teacher at at, at BYU-Idaho, and he is phenomenal. Like He genuinely cares about the students. You can tell that he cares about science, and he's definitely in a field that he wants to be in. Um, Recreational therapy, like it's it's been... Everything I thought it would be is more hands-on. 
the the people there actually give a crap about what they teach. The last major I swapped from, it wasn't like that. It was just like you learn this, and then you're on your own. And I just didn't feel like um, I was valued as a student. But in recreational therapy, like I love every part of it. And, you know, it doesn't even feel like a class or a major because I'm learning something new about the people I work with and myself. That's when you know you're in the right major is when you're like enjoying it, and it doesn't feel like learning. You're just like, oh, we're having fun doing stuff I like. I don't feel like I have a really good grasp on the rigor and difficulty of my majors um, because I was also there like husband hunting. I wasn't like taking my program seriously. Um, I, I would feel like they're pretty moderate. I like that Addison brought up like the gender ratio because I feel like mine changed with each major. Like, so when I was in psychology, it was like more like male dominated, if not like equal. And then sociology was mixed. And then education was like almost all female. So that's like the gender ratio of my majors. The programs are really good. It's true. Like the education program at BYUI is like well accredited or at least acclaimed, I think. But yeah, I was not there for good academic reasons. (laughs) I didn't take academics seriously until I left and got married. And then I was like, oh, now I actually do want to go to school for something. So I hope that's a helpful resource. I think something that a lot of people don't realize or don't know about BYU-Idaho, because it's it's so known as like, it's BYU-I-Do, you go there to get married. But in my personal experience and what I've spoken to with friends, that the academics at BYU-Idaho are phenomenal. And just my experience at BYU-Idaho, barring the, the honor code office, everything at BYU-Idaho has been absolutely amazing. Like, especially with the COVID protocols, like we got an email a couple weeks ago saying uh, there what we were going to have two weeks of masks and then they were going to play it by year. But we got an email saying that masks are required on campus and all the water fountains are unplugged. They've got, you can get your water bottles filled, but you can't drink from the fountains. And the library is where the COVID protocols are the best because there are, I've seen people walking around telling us to wear our masks if we're in the library and checking to see that we're wearing it. And I think that BYU-Idaho has a bad reputation, but it's, I think that it's actually a really, really good school. I would like to add to that. The spirit at BYUI is amazing. The culture, uh, give or take, it could be good or bad, but the spirit and the way, like, I guess the staff sometimes conduct themselves is really good, but the spirit is like, it's, it's strong here. I know that's cliche in the church, but it's something that you feel every time you step out of your door. Okay, so let's dive into that a little bit because that kind of brings up a great question because I know that like a lot of members of the church, at least I grew up in New Hampshire. So a lot of my friends went to the BYUs because they wanted to feel the spirit on their school campus, or they wanted to feel like they weren't the only ones who were like living the gospel. They wanted to be one of many instead of like one of a few. So do you feel like BYU-Idaho helps students to grow more spiritually overall? I feel like they do because they do like, it's a little, it's a little things they do that kind of reminds you like, okay, this is still like Christ-centered school, like the praying every day before class or Sundays, they sing hymns at the stadium, just little things that they like devotionals. So it's the little things that they do that kind of reminds you like, okay, this is not really your typical college. This is like Christ-centered college. So I guess that's what at least keeps me going sometimes or motivated to keep going. When you said, does it build the spirit? My brain first went, no. Um, but then I, I thought about it for a sec. I think 
the school side, like Virgil said, the praying before classes, that's excellent. I love that we pray before classes. I think that I'm really happy with that. And then actual church, I feel like actual church in Rexburg brings, takes the spirit away, which is not something that I expected. I, so I have ADHD and my school psychiatrist, my BYU Idaho psychiatrist and past bishops I drank coffee for my ADHD because it's sometimes it's better than Adderall with, with my concentration. I can take it later in the day and still be able to go to sleep at night. And I told my, my current bishop that, and I was like, I told him, my school psychiatrist says yes. Past bishops have said yes. And this bishop was like, well, it's against the word of wisdom. He seemed to care more about obedience than honesty and cared more about my obedience than my education and just was more about following the rules than anything else, forgetting that I'm a human being and I have my individual problems and said, well, you're not Christ and I'm not Christ. So I... I can't let the coffee be okay. But on campus, the professors are really good at bringing in the spirit and making sure that it's a Christ-centered class. I have to agree with you on the whole the church thing because I kind of had something similar with myself, but I was with CBD oil. So I was like, I know like uh, to some church members, this is controversial, but I'm, like, I'm going to use it because it does, it helps me not feel pain. And I kind of got the same spiel you did. Like, oh, it's against it's against this, it's against this, like, oh, you got to pray on it. And I had to say this, like, with all due respect, I, I'm still going to use it. I wanted your blessing to use it, but since you're not going to give it to me and it's not causing me pain, I'm going to do it. And I still do use it to this day. Yeah, me too. I will drink coffee, like, all summer long. Instead of drink, um, instead of taking Adderall because I wasn't taking classes, I would drink one cup of coffee in the mornings just so that I don't act like a 10-year-old with who's drunk soda. And I told my bishop, I was like, I've prayed about this. I've had confirmation from Heavenly Father, confirmation from the Spirit for the last six years that coffee is okay for me to drink because I'm drinking it for health benefits. I'm not drinking it so I get the buzz from it. I'm drinking it so that I can live my life as a neurotypical, like a neurotypical does. I get you. So interesting. I'm I'm trying to find the words to explain, to make sense of my thoughts. Um, But that's actually very fascinating. And I really appreciate that you just both shared that because that shares a few more insights. It's not just about the doctrine sometimes and with the spirit, it also has to deal with the people that we interact with, whether it's at school, whether it's at church, and that can have a great and very serious effect on what we're able to do. I'm very sorry the two of you have had to deal with that. It's a very clear example of how some people follow and focus more on the letter of the law than the spirit of the law and how it's almost like law of Moses thinking where you have to do these very specific things in a very specific order. And if you don't do these things, then you're being disobedient and the Lord hates you or the Lord will punish you for those things. When instead the Lord is like, yeah, but there are extenuating circumstances. We go case by case and then I will give you the understanding and the enlightenment that you need to know that this is okay because I care more about the individual than I do about the letter of the law. I like that you mentioned the law of Moses because I grew up Jewish. So I grew up following the law of Moses and something in Judaism that is very important to us is that if you follow the law to the best of your extent. So Yom Kippur is coming up on Thursday, which is our day of repentance. It's a week after Rosh Hashanah, which is the start of the new year. And um, my the rabbi last week was saying, fast if you can. If you can't, God's not going to fault you for that. He loves you anyway. 
if you are sick, if you are elderly, if you are pregnant, if you are incapable of fasting, you don't have to, and God's not going to love you any less. Heavenly Father knows us individually. He knows what we need. He knows what we don't need, and he's going to help us individually. He Yes, he he cares that we follow doctrine, but he also cares more about us individually. Well said. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Madison. That was really good. I 100% agree with like what's been said. I had very similar experiences and also like, or I should say I witnessed similar experiences and dealt with the same stresses. Like there's this part of the honor code that's like your brother's keeper policy. That's like, if you see someone doing something wrong, if you know someone's doing something wrong, it is your duty to report it. It's very big brother. If you don't report it and it is found out that you know about it, you will also be punished. That policy fosters a terrible anti-repentance culture. Like they said, like there's so much variation between what bishops do that it prevents people from going to their bishops to confess things that they want to repent for because they're so scared they're going to get kicked out of school or something. So like, for example, I had friends, uh, several friends who a bunch of us did things we were not supposed to do, not just like breaking BYUI policies, but like going real naughty on the commandments list kind of thing. We like did things we weren't supposed to um, for like quite some time, like a year or so. And finally, like quite a few of us decided like we wanted to go to our bishops about it. So I had a friend who went, another friend who went like willingly, like they weren't caught or anything. They went willingly to the bishop. They got kicked out of school. And so I was like, freak, no, I'm not going to go to my bishop. And I kept it to myself. But then like a year later, like the guilt was so heavy and it was so terrible. I just was like, screw it. I don't care if I'm going to get kicked out. I went. And fortunately, I had a bishop who was super understanding, but that's not the case for everyone. There's so many people, so many bishops that are not. My bishop was like surprised. I was like, I know I'm like probably going to get kicked out of school and like whatever. And he's like, why would I kick you out of school? You're doing a good thing. And that's the experience of so many people. And it's really sad. So I feel to answer the question, does BYUI help spirituality or hurt it? I think it is an amplifier. I think if you are struggling with your testimony, it's going to make you go even farther down that lane because there's that church culture just is like causes friction or whatever. And then if you have a really good testimony and it's strong and you've, you know, you have that coming to BYUI, I think it can boost it and enable it um, I also think too it kind of depends on how you come how you came up into the church because if you're a convert because like the um a roommate I had last semester he was a convert and everyone just bombarded him with like the toxic church culture thinking that's like the way we do things but if you are a member of the church and you go to BYU you don't really question things and that's kind of where I kind of steered rights when it came to some of the like culture at BYU is it's, it's very it's this way or no way and then when you try to be different, they hit you with the, oh, you signed up for it, which that's a kind of a toxic response too. Honestly, yes, SBU kind of does the same thing with the, well, you signed the honor code, you knew what you were getting into, and uh, this is what you have to deal with now. But we also forget that a lot of people going into college are like 17 and 18 years old, don't have all of their cognitive brain functions developed yet, and can't grasp the fact that like maybe in a year the honor code is going to seem absolutely ridiculous and like an unattainable goal for me to live 
that brings up a good discussion point. So let's, we've already touched on the honor code a little bit. So let's, let's go into this. Let's talk about the honor code. What was your perspective of it? And the honor council, did you have experiences or know of anyone who had to go to the honor council hearings? Like, tell us the tea. Go ahead, Hallie. I know you're excited okay. to go. <laughs> well, actually, I just want to tie a bow on that last topic and just say, also, some students' parents will not fund their college education, and they have no savings built up. So that is their only choice. I used to be kind of a dick and like would say the same thing like, oh, well, it's like a contract. You sign it. You know, you signed up for it. But like I wouldn't have had a choice. Like I didn't have a choice. So anyways. I get you. You signed you sign the honor code. What you 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 get what you get. I get that a lot as a queer student at BYU-Idaho. And even recently, I still get it just for wanting to just existing as a queer person and even wanting to just have a girlfriend. Like it got brought up a lot around February of 2020. I don't know if you remember when they took uh, same sex relationships out of whatever it was homosexual behavior out of the honor code. And then two weeks later, released a letter saying, well, actually, we didn't really mean this. It's not in the honor code. It's not in the honor code. The letter means absolutely nothing. If we're being honest, like it won't hold up in a court of law. Like if I get kicked out for having a girlfriend, I'm going straight to a lawyer and there's nothing BYU-Idaho can do about it. Like they'll lose the case because I signed the honor code. Homosexual behavior is no longer in the honor code. And I didn't sign a letter. It's it's nothing. And it's ridiculous that people are always like, well, you signed the honor code. I'm like, it's it's in the honor code. I'm like, no, it's not. It's it's in a, It's in a letter. When I signed the honor code, I started fall 2019. I was online at the time. So I'd signed the honor code and it was totally fine. I didn't care about the rules. What are they going to do? Fly over to where I lived and arrest me? They couldn't see. I didn't know any other BYU-Idaho students. But at the time, they seemed really reasonable, like no shorts on campus. I'm like, it's Idaho. It got to like, what, negative 10 degrees last year? No shorts. I'm cool with that. And then summer hit and it was 100 degrees. And I really regretted saying, oh, that's a good thing. Curfew. I love curfew because it means that people are quiet after midnight. But I don't want to get booted if I'm watching a movie with my friends at another apartment complex and we miss the time. I'm going to get booted and have to pay what, a $50 fine to get the boot taken off my car? Like I'm 27 years old. Why am I, why do I have a curfew? I've never had a curfew in my life until I came here. And now it's midnight. It's just, it feels like we're being treated like children. I'm not a fan. I mean, I'm not a female, so I can't wait, but I just feel like the rules are geared to attack more of the, the women. Like, I don't like, when I found out about you guys can't wear shorts, I'm like, what? But I can wear shorts. And I was like, okay, uh, that part just never made, it made, never made sense to me. I feel like a lot of the rules are kind of sexist towards women, but you can't really say nothing. Cause then if you say something, they're either going to say, they're either going to say you signed it or they're going to bring up the priesthood. And it, that, that it drives me crazy. Yeah. People out here saying that like sexism isn't a thing and that female discrimination isn't a thing. And like almost the entire strength for youth, for youth has like a page on standards for women and like a line for men. Hmm. Okay. I see. <laughs> We're very scrutinous about what women do, but anyways, the honor code, I appreciate like the professional standards it sets because I do appreciate that. Like, um, like in a way it, it, it prepares people for a professional world, but I don't like that. It also like damages testimony and like there's, there's rules that 
don't have nothing to do with the professional world. It's just people becoming more extreme about church standards and like, I don't know, for the strength of the youth suggestions. I'm kind of like on the fence about it. Overall, not a fan. Like if I have to vote on it, no. But I, I can see the strengths it has. The harm it's done has been really significant. And that's not cool. Yeah. So, I mean, SVU does have its own honor code and I think it's pretty much the same, but I just, I just feel like from what I've heard is that it's always much more stringent, stringent at the BYU schools. Um, and some of the things I've heard has been pretty crazy. The closest I have to any BYU Idaho experience is that one of my best friends visited once while she was in college, she was visiting a friend and she was wearing flip-flops, which are not allowed on campus. And she got booted off for just visiting. So the honor code does have some very interesting elements to it, which are like physical ones, which do impact more women, but some of them are, tend to be less physical as well. I, I think also the honor code, it brings up a lot of fear. Like I know for me personally, like I am a dancer. I take two dance classes a week on campus and it involves wearing a leotard and tights. And I will come on campus in just a jacket, my leotard and tights, particularly in the summer when it's super hot and I don't want to put pants over my tights. My palms would grow sweaty because I was scared that I was going to get reported to the honor code office on my way to, to a dance class. And even still in the dance class, I feel naked because I'm worried I'm going to get in trouble for wearing the clothes I need for my class. I'm obviously going to a dance class. I think someone could report me and nothing would come of it because I'm going to a class. But there's still that fear because that's just what the honor code office does. It instills fear in us so that we're good little soldiers. What you're also saying is kind of what we talked about earlier is that there are exceptions for certain situations. So the honor code still ends up being that kind of situation where it's like, okay, you can't do this right now because we said so, but then you can do this later because you can kind of get away with it. I'm going to say something on that. Two things that you guys might not have heard about because it's just something you deal with at BYUI, like the whole beard card thing. Like, I don't know if you guys know about that, but like so many men would have to like get a fake beard card, which says like, uh, my skin's irritated when it, like I shave or like, I can't shave for these reasons just to go take a test at the testing center. So you'd have to have a card to have facial hair. And then additionally, one of the things that made me feel like a little soldier more than anything else, the gym dress code for the eye center. Not only do you have to wear like the like size specifications of like short sleeve or whatever, you have to wear their like clothes that you buy from them. Like it has to be like the gray BYU shirt and it has to be like black leggings and it can't have like see-through like slits on the side or anything like that or any patterns or anything. So one time I had a friend who went to the gym in that like exact attire. She had like her BYUI shirt and then her black leggings, but her black leggings had some like cheetah print on it, like a little detail, like at the bottom or on the top. I don't remember. And they sent her home because there was like a little bit of cheetah print on it. And I was like, that's not even an immodest issue. That's literally just a pattern. Like, oh my gosh, it's so infuriating why are they so like strict about these kinds of things? Like things that don't even impact like modesty. We're grown adults. We know how to dress ourselves. We know that we have to be modest. Let us wear what we want. Although saying that uh, I love having my gray BYU Idaho t-shirt and basketball shorts. I love them a lot. 
they're totally comfy. They just don't need to be required to enter a gym. It's so dumb. That is insane that you have to have a uniform to go to the gym on campus. Also, the beard card thing was a thing at SVU as well. But it was kind of funny because the beard cards were only really used for plays. So like anytime a guy had to grow a beard or like extra facial hair for a play, he would have a beard card. But it's almost like you didn't need a beard card at that point because the school is so small that everyone knows exactly who is in every single play. So they would be like, oh, look, there's Kyle growing facial hair because he's going to be in that stupid play in a couple weeks. Oh, look, there goes Justin, another chump who's going to be in the play. Sucks to suck with that weird facial hair because like none of them could grow like a full beard. It was always patchy and weird. But yeah, so like I understand the beard card thing and it always just made me laugh. But it was also really stupid. Like, why are we policing people's bodies this much? Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Can I can I say something on the gym thing? Like, I think because yes. I've seen I've been to the gym before, and I honestly think it's. It's a they say it's a modesty thing, but I think it's a figure thing too. Because if you're like a bigger woman, then they feel like oh you're it's provocative towards men. But if you're a smaller woman, they don't really uh, they don't really say, I've seen it. They don't really say much. I guess it kind of depends on the figure too, which kind of sucks. Because like <laughs> nine times out of ten, most women are going to the gym to work out. It's not I I know I feel like they're looking too deep into that situation. But I can't say nothing because I'm not a, a woman. But I've seen this happen. That double standard, are you a good enough female to wear what you want or do we need to tell you what to wear? That's insane. I had no idea about that. I wonder if that's the same at all the BYU schools um, for the gym standards, but that's really insane. And I, as someone who's very sensitive to what she wears when she does on the few occasions I've ever worked out, um, <laughs> I like I can only wear certain types of clothing and it usually does not re- include sleeves. So that's absolutely crazy. All right. I have another question. So let's dig ourselves into a little bit of a hole if we, if you don't mind. Um, what has been or was the worst part of BYU-Idaho? Probably the parking, honestly. <laughs> so Madison County, it is the most conservative county in the world per capita. There are some benefits to conservative behavior, which is typically people will obey the law. So that means... Rexburg police are bored shizless. Like they have nothing else to do but hound people for park breaking parking rules. So like um Addison was saying, if you break curfew, you're gonna get booted. Like literally your car gets booted and sometimes towed because you're one minute past the past the thing. Like parking is notorious. It's like New York City almost, like if not worse. Parking was like a terrible thing. I, I hated it. You had to work around it so much. Second thing, I feel like the punishment for going to your bishop, like it's not like that's a policy, but it's a culture thing. I, I feel like that is the worst part, in my opinion. Like nothing gets me more fired up than anti-repentance culture. <laughs> I think the worst part is sometimes just, just I see I saw this a lot in like my religious class I, when I was honest when I was honest, because being a convert, when they would talk about certain things, like, like when people talk about the Book of Mormon, don't get me wrong, I love the Book of Mormon. It has it's, it has some good parts. But when I would be honest and be like, oh, okay, this is boring, or I don't get this part, I don't get this part of, of, of the scriptures or whatnot, or just, or just church culture, I would get ridiculed by the whole class because everyone has served missions and everyone has done this and that. So that was just like, 
So I was kind of, I was, I guess the worst part for me was just being honest. I felt like I had to sugarcoat something because this is what they wanted to hear, or I had to say it a certain way because this is what they're used to hearing. So I was just more nervous about being honest. I took um, New Testament uh, last summer. And as a convert, as a Jewish convert, I had never read the New Testament in my entire life. And we had to write down something to do with something. And I shared my testimony about something. And because it it was very, very simple, it was like something that Jesus said or whatever. And someone called this conceited and just the easy way out. And I'm just like, this is my first time reading the New Testament. This isn't conceited. This is my genuine first impression of this. And just the judgment that I got from this person, because it was an easy answer, it was just, it was infuriating, devastating, and just a perfect example of church culture. Absolutely triggered. I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh, that's infuriating. I'm so sorry that you experienced that. Yes, we have an issue with passive aggressive nature and judgment within the church we do have all these books of scripture so we expect everyone to read it the exact same way and believe everything the exact same way so even though we're told to have testimonies a lot of the time we are under the idea that our all of our testimonies still technically have to be the same which is something that took me a very long time to figure out but that's one of the beautiful things that's supposed to be about religion about theology itself is the differentiation of how we each personally perceive something, um, whether it's in the same religion or not. It's supposed to be like, you know, a trial. We're supposed to like learn things, change our minds and learn better along the way. And the fact that you have all faced judgment like that, I am so sorry because no one should be doing that to each other. It's supposed to be a learning experience and it's supposed to be beautiful. I, I don't have anything more to add to that, but I'm very sorry. We ultimately need to do better as a church, as a church collective, we need to do so much better. Um, So let's flip this a little bit and get a little bit positive. So what has been the best part about going to BYU-Idaho for you guys? Literally my entire major. I'm so in love with science and it's it's totally thanks to BYU-Idaho. Like I said earlier, I was an English major when I started here as an English education major. And one of the requirements for general education was a science class. So I took foundation science, science 101. And again, shout out to one of the best teachers I've ever had, Sister Sabrina Hoyle. Oh my goodness, changed my life forever. Her passion and enthusiasm for science, like that just, it flipped a switch in my brain. And now literally all I care about is science. Like my background on my computer is the periodic table of elements because I love science so much. And the teachers, the science teachers are phenomenal. Again, calling another teacher out by name, brother Shane Sorensen. He was fantastic. I loved him to pieces. Oh my goodness. I just, all the science teachers, apart from that one sexist biology teacher, everyone has been absolutely amazing. All of the, most, yeah, all the teachers have been amazing. Even my two dance teachers that I've had are phenomenal. Just the academic side of BYU-Idaho is, this is my third university I've been to. I'm a transfer student and BYU-Idaho academically is the best out of all the three. It's just, I'm so happy to be learning from these amazing teachers in these amazing classrooms and just I'm taking anatomy this semester and I get to work on dead people in a real anatomy lab and I'm so excited about that I I can I cannot say enough good things about the academic side of BYU Idaho in, in so many regards it really is um uh, ahead of the other church universities in academics for like multiple reasons like classroom ratio is more favorable at BYUI, like it's bigger at BYU, 
And so um, there's more students per teacher. Additionally, like the competition at like BYU, I don't know BYU Hawaii as much, but I know that like, as far as BYU, the competition is so fierce that like, unlike the curve, it's super difficult to be at the top of the class. You're just like, you're trying to stay alive and you're trying to just hang with everyone else instead of actually learn. Like I have a relative who went to both universities and she said, I learned so much more at BYUI because I didn't feel pressure to like, just like keep up with everyone else. I was just learning. Also, it's not a research university. So your actual professors are teaching your classes instead of their TAs. I know that a lot of research universities, like the actual professors of the class are off doing research and that their TAs are just monitoring the class essentially. So like, that's another reason why it's excellent. Also, BYUI, fantastic outdoor activities. Like, if you like nature, go to BYUI. Like, the best things. The Tetons are literally right there. Like they see in Parks and Rec, Idaho is one big national park. Also, the skiing at Kelly Canyon, it's super small, but it's so fun. Oh, can I say one more thing? Okay, so another thing, if anyone's listening to this podcast and is thinking about going to BYUI, go for the um, study abroad trips available there alone. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. I list the, the things that have my best decisions I've made in life as such marrying my husband, going on a mission, going on the religious history tour at BYU, Idaho. It was the third best decision I've ever made in my life. The cool part about it is that like, I know at least on that tour, like you get to go explore the apostasy and then the reformation and then the restoration. So you get to go to like Rome and see where like Paul was in jail and things like that. And then you go to like where Martin Luther was trying to like reform the Catholic church. And then you go to like the first baptism sites for the church. No other school will ever be able to provide that. And like their, their religious history tours and their study abroad tours are super freaking cheap. And they're like the safest way to travel if you've never been outside of the country. You know, you've only been at a school during COVID when you didn't even know that there were abroad study abroad trips. There are tons. There's like an art history one, music one. Sign up for them. Yeah, and especially like since it would be a church specific opportunity. That sounds insanely epic. Thank you for that, Hallie. Next question. Okay, so we've kind of discussed the worst. We've talked about the best. What about one of the weirdest experiences that you have had that that's that stood out to you being particular to a church school is there anything that's ever stood out to you when you either can't explain it or like it's just insane that you've had to deal with it or that you know about something happening at BYU Idaho I mean the the coolest thing that it's not even that cool it's actually kind of awful the I think it was called the cove creeper the guy that broke into the cove and went into someone's room and was just standing over their bed it took them like a week and a half to be to catch them. That yeah, <laughs> Tracy's face, both of your face. I'm sorry. What? No, Wait, this isn't the guy that had like what? the camera installed in the teddy bear or whatever. What was it? What? No, the, I the, the, I guess this is something else. Oh my goodness, Addison, <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? So this was a huge. It was ha- maybe halfway through last semester, maybe the semester before. There was someone who broke into the cove and snuck into one of the girls' apartments. It's like one of the more expensive apartment complexes in Rexburg, approved housing complexes, and just someone broke into someone's apartment and it took them like a week and a half, two weeks to catch them. That is absolutely terrifying. I found the story. (gasps) 
It was very recent, actually. It was in June of this year, 2021. Because those of you that are listening cannot see our chat on Zoom, uh, let me narrate for you. So in June, the end of June, June 28th, 2021, this article is posted on eastidahonews.com. Police in Rexburg arrested a BYU-Idaho student who allegedly entered several women's apartments while the students slept. He's being charged with two misdemeanor counts of unlawful entry. There is surveillance video of him entering Cedars and the Cove apartment complexes, entering women's apartment very early in the morning. One student contacted the Rexburg Police Department after waking up around 7 a.m. to find him standing over her bed. And then he apparently ran away after the student woke up. And then it goes on to say that it's not clear why he was entering the apartments, but honestly, who cares why he was entering the apartments? Um, It should just matter that this dude was entering apartments unlawfully. Um, But yeah, there are three pictures, three surveillance pictures of him. And even though he's wearing a mask, it is very clear that it is him and his mugshot is front and center on this article. So check it out. It should be noted he's wearing a mask properly, which is rare for Rexburg. If a criminal can do it, so can you. <laughs> Major facts. <laughs> I shouldn't be advocating for this, but what a time to be a criminal. Like you are straight up going back to the Wild West days by wearing a mask and concealing your identity. Like you are doing it at the right time. There's never really a right time to commit crime, but like, man, you picked the right time to commit crime. At last, their time has come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The COVID creeper. We can call him the COVID creeper. There we go. (laughs) The COVID code creeper. COVID code creeper. (laughs) I'm going to put that on the confessions page. That's what we're going to call him. That is crazy. Okay. All right. So now that we know about this COVID creeper, Hallie, what were you just telling us about? Tracy, you might have to do some research to find this story as well. But I just remembered that there was a guy, I think it happened at La Jolla. I don't remember, but he like installed cameras into some sort of like stuffed animal and like gave it to this girl that he wanted to like watch and stuff for little skeevy pervy reasons. I don't know how she discovered it, but like it was found out and he, yeah, he like the police dealt with him and stuff. I That's scanty details about it, but that's all I remember. If you search like BYUI, like... Security. He's running. It looks like he's got I found it. <laughs> of course. No way! Tracy <laughs> Schwartz, the FBI. I'm really <laughs> good at this, guys. <laughs> I should just go get my private investigator license already. Like, I'm really good at finding Honestly, this stuff really Tracy. quickly. Okay, so the article comes from KOLONewsnow.com. Idaho college student charged with voyeurism in a hidden camera case. So this student... Um, was charged with felony video voyeurism after police say that he hid cameras in apartments. Six girls living in the La Jolla apartments called and said they found a camera in their bathroom. Um, Police went to the apartment and found a tiny pinhole camera hidden on a towel hanger. The police found out that the student is friends with the girls and that he admitted to placing the camera in the bathroom. He also admitted to placing another camera in the bedroom inside the apartment. And that's all I got out of this article. It is very small, but uh, yeah, felony voyeurism. Sufficiently Way creepy. Way to go, kid. But if Rexburg had more to do, this would happen less. <laughs> 
Oh, and that is from January 2017. That's insane. I wonder if he did make it himself, though, or if he just bought a nanny cam because those do exist. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad he was. I'm glad they were. I'm glad these men were caught because that is not okay. There's like a surprising amount of crimes that go on at BYUI. Like there was, I remember when I was there, um, there was like a prostitute ring in Tuscany, which we called Tuskanky. And I was at the Ivy, which people called HIV. There's like all these funny names for all like the living, like the apartment complexes. Hallie, I um, thought you said all the cops were bored. Were they not doing anything? <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess people skirted around a lot, but they're for real, like terrible about booting. And if you go for five miles per hour on the speed limit, they will legitimately like give you a ticket. Anyways. They, they only care if they can get money out of you. Yeah, it's true. Um, no. I think there was a drug ring at Naboo. Yeah. I live across the street from there. It oh. looks quaint and like wholesome. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably why it became a drug ring. It was a really nice front. <laughs> Where I've heard some, some saucy things happen in the hot tubs around here. I was so innocent minded before I came here. And like, as a convert, that doesn't usually happen. And then I moved to Rexburg and like the things I've heard, the things I've seen, President Eyring is paying for my therapy bills now. It's like the Victorian period. Like you sexually repress a society and they just find sneakier ways to be freaky. Like seriously, if the church let up on purity culture, even a centimeter, there'd probably be like a hundred times less sexual assaults and lewd acts and rule breaking about breaking the law of chastity on campus. Honestly, I don't think that professors or like school administrators realize that like if young adults want to have sex and drink and do drugs, they're going to find a way to do it with or without your consent. While yes, I understand the importance of having an honor code and like having that. I mean, I lived it. I lived the honor code, but like I also witnessed a lot of things happening that were not honor code approved on campus. It almost would have been easier if they had just eliminated the honor code. It wouldn't have been as like clandestine and like cloak and dagger and secret combinations like to make those things happen. That's just my opinion. Okay, so I think we only have one more question for you guys. So since you started or left BYU-Idaho, do you feel like you have changed or do you feel like the school itself has changed? Um, I'll answer this first. Since I have left BYUI, I feel like both has kind of occurred. Like I've changed because after I left BYUI, I came here to Orlando. So I've been like absorbed in a much more diverse culture but I also feel like the school has changed like I think like the whole LGBTQIA culture and debate is like pretty hot and heavy right now like we saw with BYU and like Elder Holland's talk like that got a lot of people fired up and stuff and so I think it's changing and I think hopefully for the better but you see that there's like a lot of pushback that as like our generation is coming up we're we're a lot more open to things than the generations before us have been. And so I think there's like this pushback between generations and uh, a church that's full of a lot of conservatives, at least in the West, that has people in its universities that are from all sorts of places and of all, you know, shapes and sizes. So I've only been on campus for a year now. 
So I can't really say whether it's changed or not because my entire year has been pretty much COVID protocols. The biggest difference was looking at campus starting this year, fall 2021 compared to fall 2020 is that they've got all the I-night activities planned when we didn't get that at all and stuff like that. But I know I have certainly changed, um, but I don't know if that has anything to do with BYU-Idaho or just where I'm at in my life right now. Because when I started BYU-Idaho, I had gone through a major trauma. I mean, it wasn't traumatic, but it was for me. And then COVID happened while I was an online student and seeing that happen. And then moving across the country on my own, um, that certainly made me more mature. See, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's BYU-Idaho that's made me more mature or if it's just life in general. Like I'm 27 years old, so I don't know. I I don't know. I just know that I am in a better place now than I was when I started at BYU-Idaho. In my own skin, I have a a social life now, which is great. When I started BYU-Idaho fall 2019, the only social life I had was I drove up from Miami to Orlando one time to go to the temple with Tracy, and that was pretty much my social life. But I have friends now that I have a lot in common with, both our opinions and feelings about the church and just friendships that I've made that just I wouldn't have without BYU-Idaho. So I think in that regard, I I have changed. I love that. Thank you both so much for sharing that. I know we're we're definitely all still in that. I mean, we're always in that phase where we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing. And it's really hard to come sometimes see where we are in that changing process. Um, But I really appreciate your thoughts on that. Um, to see how the school has impacted you for good or not. And I'm glad that you two are clearly in really good places in pretty good places right now. Like I'm so glad. So yeah, so thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for answering all of our questions. Um, We did have to let Virgil drop, um, but we really loved listening to him as well. Um, Before we do close, are there any parting words that the two of you would like to share with the audience? If you want to come to BYU-Idaho, my best advice is to shut out the culture. Ignore the culture and focus on your studies because not only will your grades be better, but you'll see the good in BYU-Idaho far more than the bad. The bad is only loud if you let it be loud. Amen to that. Go to BYUI for an education. It's a university. Like, I think... It's an overpriced matchmaker. If you're going there to get married, like you're not going to get your money's worth. I honestly like have a testimony about this. I was there for six years. I was absorbed in a culture where there was plenty of young men who I felt were qualified. And, you know, you'd think that being somewhere where there's like the most young men that are eligible for you to marry that you would find someone, but it took me going to an itty bitty YSA out in the middle of Orlando to find the person that I'm really happy and content to be with. I mean, it's okay to date. It's okay to get married there, but go there for an education. Don't go there to get married. That's the advice that we've gotten out of this episode and the BYU Provo episode, which is like, if you're going to college, make sure you're going for the right reasons, not to sound very like bachelor like, but make sure you're going and you're there for the right reasons, because ultimately like you're, you're spending money on it. And if you're just going there with the end result of finding a husband or finding a wife, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your money, you're wasting your everything when you could really just throw your whole self into getting this great education, 
gaining those life experiences by going on those study abroad trips or meeting those people that will inevitably come in and out of your life because of those classes that you're going to and just finding out more about yourself as a person. You can't find yourself if you're so busy looking for somebody else in the process. So I agree with what all of you have shared in that regard. So thank you guys for sharing that. Yes. And thank you for joining us for this episode. It was so much fun talking with you ladies and with Virgil. It was such a great experience. Um, I definitely learned a lot about BYU. I I don't know what I'll do with that knowledge, but I have it now. And that's the important thing. (laughs) Um, And our listeners have it too. So that is super exciting. Um, So thank you so much for joining us on this. This was so much fun. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. This was a lot of fun and getting to, to talk to you guys again was just fantastic. Yes. It's very therapeutic to release all this like, very niche trauma. Right. There like, you go. It's very weird. We are truly a peculiar people. Truly. Just a reminder before we close that our podcast, Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward, is officially now a member of the Dialogue Podcast Network. You can subscribe to our podcast at dialoguejournal.com now, as well as other amazing and like-minded podcasts. You'll always get ad-free episodes and bonus content there as well. So check it out, dialoguejournal.com. All right. So next week is the big one. It is the SVU episode. And we have three, yes, three special guests joining us next week. It's going to be absolute pandemonium and insanity. I apologize ahead of time. I should have considered this when I asked these people to join us. But you know what? Hindsight is 2020, and I think it's going to be a good time anyways. So yeah, let's get ready for next week and the Southern Virginia University episode. At this time, we do not have a BYU-Hawaii episode planned um, because we just haven't been able to find anyone willing to talk to us who is available to talk to us. So please contact (laughs) us if you went to BYU-Hawaii and you want to spill some tea because we want to hear it. We want all the tea. (laughs) But yeah, thanks for listening this week, guys. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.